three, two. Marcus. Yeah. That that in in the film industry, in the biz, they don't start like that. It's five, four, three. This, we got we got to be professionals. Yeah, all so of a you sudden. don't get it. You don't get it in. The, you don't want it in the shot. You don't want it in the recording. Like the three, two, one. These are things I'm here to teach you. That's how they do it in the biz. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's try to do it right. Five, four. No, 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 no. No, no way. No. It's five, four, three. <laughs> and then we all we're all counting in our heads silently. Let's, let's try it again. Here we okay. go. Five, four, three. And now you count in your head silently. <laughs> Marcus Pittman. Okay, okay, wait, for all this time. Okay. Five, four, three. <laughs> <laughs> this is okay. Ridiculous. We're not at all okay. professional. No. Okay. Five, four, three. Oh, wait, I didn't have the music ready. Let's do it again. Just start the show. Okay, here we go. Non rock a boatus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat, I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Delusional. Delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Yes! What? What? Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go into the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. I got, I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when yeah. they're not. stars if you're able to number them then he said to him so shall your offspring be and he believed the lord and he counted it to him as righteousness what's up y'all praise god for that verse right amen praise amen. the lord for that every verse. verse every verse <laughs> every, every verse, verse but especially that verse because uh, ooh. <laughs> hey, it's a keeper i heard there's some kind of a can pop that, was, in that was your year but i just took oh did you really Something That's about theft, dude. Something about private property in the Bible. That's theft. Not. Have you worked at Apologia Studio? <laughs> yeah, everything. But we 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 act as practical socialists here. Yeah, is your mafia sponsor yet? Yeah, not yet, not yet. It might as well be. There's a lot it's, of yerba on this it's table. It's running through my veins. I can tell you this much. Yes, yes, it's running through my veins. And if, we, if they were our sponsor, yes. they'd lose fifty percent of their yearly revenue. Couple things. Uh, well, I guess maybe we should announce. Uh, you guys might recognize uh, a semi. Familiar voice. Was that Luke? Yeah. I might I might have to play something. <laughs> you, you actually go ahead and get some of your chilled stuff in the background. That'd be, that'd be good. Oh, okay. All right. You might recognize that voice. What in the voice? background. What voice? That's Jerry. Oh, I thought you meant Rebecca. I, I, think, I think Jerry should be called the voice because he does so many That's voices. That's what I think. Yeah. Voice impressions. Yeah, I like it. I like the dude. But He's he back like from Kenya. Either. Coming straight out of Kenya. 
straight out of Kenya. So what's up, yeah. Jerry Roberts? Back on Apology Radio. Welcome back to the show, brother. Glad to be here, man. Glad to yeah, be back. Man. Beer's looking good. Yes, sir. Hair is basically gone. Yeah, hair distribution. <laughs> I used to have really long hair, baby face, and now I got the hair all down here and yeah. pulled up there. Yeah. You, yeah. Well, you, if the one percent on top had more, you take it from the one percent and give it, spread it out across the rest. Something or, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Redistribution. <laughs> Bernie Sanders probably has something to do with my hair. Feel the style. burn. Feel the burn. <laughs> And we guess what? We are so happy. We are so happy to have back in the studio. So happy. The lady. Oh, hey. Rebecca thank Martin. you. What's up? Hey, glad so to be back. She was she was she wasn't feeling well. She was kinda mm-hmm. under the weather. Yes. And uh, you know, it happens when you turn twenty three. So, you know, <laughs> that's what happens. <laughs> Back uh, in the land of the living, I'm trying to be as ni- I'm trying to be as nice as possible. I'm trying to keep her, trying to keep her coming back. Um, so we're we're in the studio now, and Marcus Pittman, the ginger King hey, Ginger. Hey, what's up, man? Yeah, welcome. Merry Christmas. How yeah. are you guys doing? Merry Christmas to you, man. Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas to you. In jail. In jail. Did y'all see what Santa brought us today? I there's did. some baby beluga on the desk oh, over here. What man. the heck is that thing? So praise God. I really. So I got. Think what it is is if you set up the tree earlier, you get your gifts earlier. That's, That's right. how it works, right? Yeah, we got some cameras on this table. Look like oh, a surface-to-air missile. So a <laughs> surface-to-air missile. That was a rocket launcher. Yeah. So, no. Praise, praise, praise to God. Um, we received our first shipment. Uh, God uh, blessed us with a bunch of stuff so that we can just do a lot more by way of media outreach. Um, we, I'm staring at right now, sitting on the table, a cinematic movie camera with a cinematic movie lens. Um, we just had all the stuff delivered. Uh, we started the show a little late today because we did. We have um, the ability now to do so much more uh, in the culture uh, to communicate the gospel. So we want to just give praise to God. And for you guys who are listening, who have prayed for us, who support uh, Apologia Radio, and you've been a part of this ministry, uh, so many of you guys, since the very, very beginning. I was talking to Josh Holler the other day. Holler! Oh, holler. at your uh, boy. Uh, and he called me up and he was reminding me of uh, years and years and years ago when we started the show. He even reminded me of our old website, uh, defendthefaith.org. We had a little blog up, remember? And uh, he's back from way back then. We lost the codes too and we yeah. couldn't change. Yeah, so, so some of you guys have been with us since the very, very beginning. You've prayed for us. You've participated maybe even financially. Uh, you, you know, you've been a part of this ministry since the beginning. Um, thank you. Uh, thank you guys for praying for us. Thank you for your participation, God. Uh, just blessed us with so much, and we're we're we, we know the responsibility we have with it, and so we want to ask for your continued prayers uh, for us as a ministry that God will continue to use us to proclaim the gospel into the culture, and uh, we're just grateful. We're grateful, and hey, we did a show last week that was pretty cool. Uh, it was on atheism. I think it's titled "The End of Atheism." At ApologiaRadio.com. If you haven't heard that episode yet, I'd like you to hear it. We did a lot of stuff on atheism, but we also did some fun stuff on Bernie Sanders, some socialism stuff. We read some of your comments, and I think we're going to do that right now. We're going to read some comments to start the show off. And just so you know what we're up to today, because I got it on the brain right now, because that's what we're going to be doing for the next month and a half, um, we're going to be doing a show on Mormonism today. And we're going to play actual audio clips from, I think all these are from the Mormon Temple so you're going to get to hear what it's like to go with us. And can I tell you this? How excited I am about this? Uh, and this is really cool because I was just looking through it just now. I was looking through the archive at, at Apologia Studios on YouTube for some videos to play for you guys so we can kind of walk you through some cool stuff and hopefully encourage you guys and provide you guys some meaningful content to prepare you to do some missions, perhaps to your Latter-day Saint friends. But I was looking through, Luke, and I saw the video 
of you and I outside the Mormon temple during Christmas, I think the very first year that we started Apologia Christian Ministries. Is that where I gave out my phone number? I, I don't know. If, I think you did. You did. We actually have a video where Luke, this tells you how like it's small. It's gone now. This tells you how small potatoes we were. Luke, and we actually put his his personal phone number in the video. We're like, call us. Yeah. We got nothing to do. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so, but Luke, dude, I was looking through it. I think we might have filmed it on like a, like a cell phone or something. I don't know. It was that little, it. I think it was that little cheap camcorder we got. Yeah. Like, you're right, you're right. Yeah, and so oh, I totally forgot about that. So anyway, so, okay, here's what we're going to do now, guys. The reason I bring it up is because as, as I was looking through there, seeing where God started us, those videos have gone around the world. I mean, I'm talking like hundreds of thousands. Um, there's like over 2 million views. Am I right about that? 2.5 million views on our YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, so hundreds of thousands of, of, of people have seen these videos around the world. People have come to Christ out of Mormonism as a yeah. result of listening to these videos. We don't even know how many because it's we, so many people have contacted us to tell us. So many Christians have used these videos in their Bible studies at church and their Bible studies at home. And uh, people have used these in, uh, in, 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 in college classes, some of these videos, to play examples of how to do this stuff. Um, but here's the thing. Listen, now with all this new equipment, you're going to get to see that kind of footage in a way that you've never seen before. Aerial drones over the Mormon temple? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and so you're going to get to see going to be awesome. conversations. Of course, God willing, because we have to actually get in these conversations, and we always do. But you're going to get to see these conversations in movie theater kind of quality. The audio will actually be better. better. Some of these videos, I'm telling you, is literally on my cell phone. We have an HD recorder on my cell phone or we bought an HD recorder yeah. for 20 bucks or something like that and we just put it on our Bible as we're talking to people. Some of these videos have no vi- no actual video. It's just audio with like a slide and God has used it to save people by, by getting them the gospel. Um, why do we need all this nice equipment? Uh, if God just uses anything, like why well, why don't we just shoot with our that's iPhones? That's a good question, Marcus. Well, because, Maybe I have so much less work to do. Why do we need Marcus? Yeah, well, because exactly. here's, 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 I can go home with my I can family. answer that. I can answer that. <laughs> because art, we, we are children of the king, and we are image bearers of God who is the original creator. He's the original artist. I believe that what we should do as Christians when we put out content, if we do anything, it should be to the glory of God. Now, obviously, God can strike a straight blow with a crooked stick, but it doesn't mean we should always use crooked sticks. If we get the opportunity to, to, to do something to the glory of God, we should do it to the glory of God. We should do it well. We should do it in a way that actually will stand the test of time. We should do it in a way that's beautiful and meaningful. And here's the thing. Listen to this. We want to be able to put content out that will be able to compete with what the world puts out to promote their ungodly worldview. So the unbelievers put out a media that is essentially propaganda and preaching to the world about the unbelieving worldview. Well, we want to do it obviously with the gospel and the Christian worldview in a beautiful way, in a good way. Art should be good. It should be holy. It should be true. And now we have the ability with all this stuff that God gave to us to do all this stuff really, really good. And we're grateful. And so also, listen, here's the thing too. You'll be, some of these videos we have up, you have, it's hard to hear. You can hear the cars going by, the microphones aren't very good. And so you can't catch a lot of the conversation. Well, now hopefully you'll be, that won't be a problem anymore. You'll be able to catch the conversation because we have really, really great stuff. Yeah. So uh, praise God and uh, thank God 
uh, for you guys who have been a part of this with us. So uh, let's do some comments, Luke. Uh, Comment. Let me just point you guys in the right direction so you know where to do this. Um, I know a lot of you guys listen on the app, and we're thankful for that. The Apologia Church app you can get on iTunes or at the Android store, the uh, Google Play store. Uh, so we put stuff there, but we would really appreciate it if you guys went over to iTunes and you listen to your Apologia radio on iTunes. You can subscribe um, on iTunes and please leave a comment and a rating. And uh, we're going to try to do our best to get back to reading these on a regular basis. So, Luke, give us a comment, man. All right. This one says, my beard loves these guys. Yeah. By Price Parker dollar sign. Dollar sign. There's a dollar sign. Dollar, dollar, dollar bill. Price Parker dollar, dollar bill, y'all. He said, and my beard knows what's what. It's gray, so you can trust it. <laughs> Thank you. Gray beards. That's great. There's wisdom. Uh, next one. Relevant, consistent, reformed from Adam D. Brown. Apology Radio is an interesting amalgamation of truths. Amalgamation. That, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> of truths that cannot be easily categorized. The hosts go to great lengths to remain consistent with the traditional truths of reformed theology, but do so in a way that is relevant and refreshing their stated goal is to give glory to God by bringing scripture to bear on culture. They do this very well. As a rural Sunday school preacher at a Presbyterian church, I benefit greatly from a weekly or daily dose of apologia. Presbyterian presbys, y'all. We'll, we'll take those comments, too. This podcast has been a blessing for me and will surely be so as well for others. Thank you. Thank you, Adam D. Brown. Thank you, Adam Brown. You want me to do one more? Yeah, yeah, do another one. Okay, one more. Fantastic! Exclamation mark. From Eclecticalia or something like that. Uh, I've been listening since March and have enjoyed it immensely. My husband loves theology, but I've always thought of it as something too heady for me. Since listening to Apology, I've come to realize that theology isn't just for the super smart, but for everyone. Yeah, that's encouraging. It is encouraging. Indeed, theology matters. And it's vitally important that you know what the Bible actually teaches. The great thing about the show is it can be weighty and silly, deep and joyful, all in the span of a few minutes. Thanks for all you do, guys. Why, thank you. Silly to searing in seconds. <laughs> that, well, that's actually what someone did in an online review yeah, somewhere on a website. Great. It's perfect. Silly to searing in seconds. I think that is a wonderful way to describe what we're trying to do. And it's a bit of a tongue twister. Try to say that five times fast right now. Like Dr. Seuss. Still is searing a second. Still is searing. I can't do it. I can't I'm do it awful twice. at tongue twisters. I'm not even going to try. No, no. Very sewing. I can't even do it. <laughs> Everybody right now at home is trying to do it right now. Silly to searing in seconds. Um, hey, King Ginger. Yeah, what's up? Uh, you, so you asked the question, and I know we're going to go to commercial break here fast and get right back to our content for today. Hopefully, equip you guys. But you let me answer the question as to why it's a good thing that God has given us all this stuff. Um, but what would you say to that? Because I think you're really uh, a blessing to listen to in terms of um, art and beauty and taking dominion. And I, I, I like to hear you talk about it. So tell me about it. I just think it's cool to play with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so eloquent. No, no. <laughs> it's actually, let's be honest, it's scary to play with. It's it scary, is. It's it's scary like to touch. You're holding a car in your hands yeah. and you don't want to drop it. Yeah. But and I've I, seen how Marcus handles cars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, I don't like that you think that I about that the truth. Okay. So... I would say primarily is that we want art that makes the world jealous and that that the world is uh, 
it, it makes the world embarrassed by their work because we have a source of creativity that is the creator that is uh the best artist in all creation and uh and and he created the heavens and the earth and if you just read exodus 35 and read what god requires of the art that went into his temple yeah it wasn't anybody who could do something it was skilled labor yeah so it wasn't it wasn't he didn't ask for people to just do your best and whatever you get well you're christian so that's what you got he required skilled laborers that that's used a lot of times in the bible it says uh uh, the man who is skilled will will stand before kings. Uh, so the Bible uh, throughout Scripture requires an art, skilled art, not just throwing paint on a wall and, and calling it art, which if you've ever been to the Smithsonian Museum of, of Modern Art in D.C., it's the worst place I've ever been to in my life. Like there's a black palette and a white palette on the floor. It's just a wooden palette. One's painted black. The other's painted white, and it takes up eight feet of space in this national museum. Kidding me. <laughs> That's it? Right, right. So art is objective. There's objective standards for art, mm. and, uh, and, and, and so it's not a subjective in terms of what is good and what is bad, although there might be subjective as to you know whether you like westerns or whether you like romantic comedies. It's still, you can still have objectively good westerns and objectively bad romantic comedies. So, so, so the goal here is to not just make good art that glorifies God. That's obviously what we presuppose in everything we do. But we want to make art that's so good that the world has to start imitating the Christian worldview just to keep up. And uh, even if they don't want to or they hate it. So that's, that's, that's the goal. Yeah. And it's really cool to look at a history of the Christian church. I would highly recommend for you guys uh, Dr. George Grant. Uh, King's Meadow Study Center, especially for your kids and homeschooling, man, get his curriculum. King's Meadow Study Center, Dr. George Grant, on the history of the Christian Church, uh, um, modernity. Uh, the uh, it's it's really cool to to see the impact Christians had on culture, and even in terms of like art and music and those sorts of things, even architecture, um, just building things and doing things to the glory of God for the glory of God and um, listen we're, we, we, we know that um, we, we fall short in a lot of things we know we have uh, so much we can learn to do better and we just want to do that to the glory of God and here's the thing uh, keep looking at Apologia Studios and look at what God is uh, uh, giving to us by way of ministry and uh, to keep especially especially during December check out Apologia Studios on YouTube keep going back because we're going to be putting videos up we're gonna, we have a new plot coming out um, and uh, web series about testimonies of the grace of God. We also have uh, all that we're doing in our, in our ministry and outreach to the Mormon community at the Mormon Temple of Mesa. So that's it. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, come right back, and we're going to play through some Mormonism stuff, uh, talking to Mormons outside the Mormon Temple, giving them the gospel. We'll, all, we'll stop, we'll talk, we'll, uh, we'll talk about what it looks like to uh, go and reach your Mormon friend and neighbor. Be right back, guys. ApologiaRadio.com. Ladies and gentlemen, 
beauties and beasts, I have some good news for you. But in order for me to tell you the good news, I must share with you the bad. A beard can be a most magnificent thing, but it can also be the downfall of a man. An unmaintained beard prevents a face from shining. An unmaintained beard causes dry, itchy skin. An unmaintained beard is a source of beardruff. You know, like dandruff, but beardruff. An unmaintained beard is sharp and ruthless, like iron bristles, not good for the lady friend. An unmaintained beard forfeits future growth based on the lack of preparation today. And let's not forget that an unmaintained beard robs your face from smelling amazing. Let not thy beard be thy downfall. Protect your manlyhood. An epic combination of manliness and manhood. If you are hearing this today, there is hope for your beard. Go to yukonsbeard.com and enter the code APOLOGIA and you can save some money while you save your face. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. Psalm 22:27. Hey, speaking of the Psalms, Dr. James White preached for our Sunday worship service this past Sunday on Psalm 12. It was pretty awesome. It was a blessing to have him come and bring the Word of God to the people of God at Apologia Church. You guys can see that. It's up at our uh, YouTube channel, Apologia Studios on YouTube. It's the last video we uploaded. Dr. James White preaching on Psalm 12. It's really, really cool. He talked about how godly people are a blessing on a culture. And it's really the judgment of God when he removes the godly influence in a culture. And it was just a really cool uh, message. So he went through the whole psalm. Encourage you guys to check it out. Dr. James White, Apologia Church. I think it'll bless you. And uh, yeah, so... um, You know what's funny about that? I was telling Marcus, like, I saw John Sampson was there. Yeah, he showed up. So I was like, oh, hey, John. I was like, oh, it's just John, you know. And I'm sitting there later thinking, I'm like... Yeah, John Sampson and Dr. White in our church service. <laughs> yeah. It kind of hit me. I was like, this is yeah. crazy. Yeah, it was awesome. Dr. White told, told a joke. He said, because uh, Samson showed up like, you know, right as Dr. White went up there pretty much. And uh, Dr. White said uh, that uh, Samson was in the back and he had about 15 minutes. And if I gave him a thumbs down, uh, he would get out and Samson would take over uh, for the sermon for yeah. him. So, um, yeah, it was just really cool. It's just cool to have Dr. White in town and... Someone who's uh, our friend and uh, who uh, is part of uh, what we do as a church by uh, really serving together with us in the ministry of the gospel. So, all right. So, let's let's talk about Mormonism. Y'all ready? Yes. 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 Let's do Mormonism. Always. Always ready. Always. Always ready. That sounds like a book. Somebody like, should write a book Someone wrote that. a book, I think, called uh, Always Ready, and uh, you should have that in your library by Greg Bonson. All right. So, here's the thing. We have gone to the Mormon temple... Um, I've, I've been since 1996 in, uh, in Arizona, and it's just been a huge blessing. They have two times a year. If you guys are new to Apologia Radio, we'll tell you a bit about it, get you caught up. There's two times a year where um, uh, the Mormon Temple in Mesa, Arizona, where there's a very, very high population of Mormons. The Mormon Temple has two events. One is the Easter pageant, and there is, I think at this point, over 100,000 people that show up. And they also have the Easter, sorry, the Christmas lights. Mm. And that is right after Thanksgiving. The lights are up now, by the way. I went to see my dad at the hospital and I I came back and I drove to see if they were up. The lights are up now. 
Um, but they basically have from like after Thanksgiving all the way to like January 1st or 2nd or so, they have uh, Christmas lights and people come from all over uh, yeah. to watch, to look at the Christmas lights. They bus people in. So there are lots and lots and lots of people to minister to. There's Mormon missionaries there. I mean, thousands and thousands of people come through. It's just an ongoing ministry for us through the month of December. And it's a blessing. It's a little slower pace than Easter. Easter is very, very like high impact, fast. It's loud. It's yeah. crazy. It's complicated because there's so many people. Uh, Christmas is a little bit lower key, but um, it's just equally awesome. And if you again, if you go to our YouTube channel, you guys can listen to the actual conversations that we've had. Um, and we're going to go again, but I think it'd be good for you guys to hear some of these things uh, regarding Mormonism. Uh, if you're new to the faith and you don't know a lot about Mormonism, Mormonism is a non-Christian uh, cult that uh, apes Christianity, borrows Christian terminology. They talk like Christians. They speak Christianese. They, see, they say things like Heavenly Father. They say things like Jesus Christ. They say things like grace, uh, cross, resurrection. They say salvation, faith. They say Bible, all those things. But Joseph Smith was uh, born in Palmyra, New York, 1804, if my recollect- recollection is correct there. Um, and Joseph Smith Jr., the first prophet and president of Mormonism, uh, claims in one of the first vision accounts, there are several of them, but he claims in one of them, the primary one you'll hear today when Mormon missionaries come to your door, that he was confused about which church to join. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says that there were so many different denominations and sects, and he was just confused. And so he actually quotes from James chapter 1, where James chapter 1 talks about if anybody of you lacks wisdom, ask of God and God will give it to you. And he apparently interpreted that to mean wrongly uh, that if anybody has a question, let them ask of God and God will give you the answer. Um, Mm. Wisdom uh, to a Jew um, is about skillful living. It's the skill of living. How do I live? And so when James, the brother of Jesus says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. It's talking about essential skill in living. Proof of that is just read James chapters one and two. It's talking about how you live and apply godly wisdom. So uh, Joseph Smith Jr., Uh, goes into the woods, according to, again, one of the accounts, one of the first vision accounts, and this great darkness overwhelms him. And while he's there, after this darkness overwhelms him, um, and he's completely terrified, all of a sudden he sees this bright light above him, and he sees two personages above him, two distinct separate beings and personages. He sees Elohim, uh, which is a Hebrew name for God in the Old Testament, and that's how Mormons refer to Heavenly Father as Elohim. And he sees Jehovah, uh, which is Jesus in Mormon theology. They see them as two different gods and two different persons. Um, and he sees them above him. And uh, Heavenly Father, Elohim, uh, a resurrected God-man, uh, says to him to join none of the churches because they're all wrong. He says all their creeds are an abomination. All their professors, that's the Christians, are corrupt. They draw near to God with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. And so that's Joseph Smith's first vision account. Again, one of them. And uh, that's what you're going to get when the more missionaries come to your door. Joseph Smith later on was given the location of golden plates 
These golden plates, according to Joseph, were written in reformed Egyptian hieroglyphics. Now, just as a side note, it's important to point out that uh, there is no such language as reformed Egyptian hieroglyphics. It doesn't exist. But according to Joseph on these golden plates, uh, the account of people uh, who came over essentially from Israel to the Americas, uh, the account of, of their lives and their experiences are written on these golden plates. Now, he went back and essentially, long story short, just to sort of summarize for the show today, he gets the plates and he does his interpretation, or, or sorry, his translation of the golden plates. Uh, there's a really, really interesting story about those golden plates and uh, what took place. Uh, you could uh, get a book called One Nation Under Gods to get the details about that. It's fantastic by Richard Abanis. Or you could watch the South Park yep, episode. It's, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's got it right. Uh, and uh, so, uh, yeah, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't usually recommend South Park, but I will in this case, uh, just so you get an understanding of the background there. Uh, but Joseph Smith uh, published the Book of Mormon from these translated uh, golden plates in 1830. And he said in 1830, it was the most correct book of any book on earth and that a man could get closer to God by obeying its precepts than any other book. That was in 1830. Now, the book itself, since 1830, less than 200 years, has changed about four has about 4,000 changes in it. About 4,000 changes in it. So the most correct book of any book on earth, uh, published by Joseph Smith, said that it was the most correct book of any book on earth, and it's changed in less than 200 years. Wholesale uh, changes. Big changes, yes. Wow. Doctrinal changes, not just misspellings, but actual doctrinal changes. And it's important to point out that Joseph Smith published the work with that claim that it was the most correct book of any book on earth. And it's changed in less than 200 years about 4,000 times. Now, that's kind of a, a summary of the start of Mormonism. And I want to point out to you, this is important. Joseph Smith um, began this new religion, this false religion with a false god and false gospel. He began this cult in the context of the early America, essentially, where there, were, there was a dominating Christian influence. There were Presbyterians, there were Baptists, there were solid Reformed Anglicans, Reformed, I mean, there was Episcopalians that were, you know, this, you know, there was a Christian influence. And so he grew up in a context of the King James Bible. He grew up in a context of the Christian church surrounding him, so he knew Christian terminology. And when he started Mormonism, Mormonism is very confusing in the Book of Mormon. You've got modalism, you've got Trinitarianism, you've got you know, these, it's just it's it's completely confused within itself. But it's important to point out that Joseph Smith's uh, uh, revelation from God, quote unquote, revelation from God, changed from the publication of the Book of Mormon until he was murdered in Carthage uh, in about 1844. Uh, his revelation began to change. He got new revelations about polygamy, about it being an eternal thing, about, you know, if you deny it, essentially you're damned. Uh, he had many, many wives. Uh, he had wives, really, that, that uh, his, his wife didn't know about originally. So it's a really interesting story there. But uh, Joseph Smith did actually progress into obscene polytheism uh -huh. uh, many the, the belief in many gods and so Joseph Smith taught that the God of this earth and the King Follett discourse and the King Follett discourse Joseph Smith taught that the God of this earth was a resurrected God man who became a God one day 
Uh, he had gods before him who progressed to become gods, and you must learn to become gods yourselves the same way as all gods have done before you, Joseph Smith said in the King Follow Discourse. I'm looking at my phone here. Is that my phone or your phone? Yours. Is it really? Yeah. That's yours. It's mine. What? Oh, it's Marcus's. Sorry. It's Marcus. Okay. So, sorry. <laughs> hey, uh, Luke, it's me messaging. Facebook conversations I'm messaging during our the show. Because we're running late. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's, it's popping up on your thing. All right, so. Why don't you turn your phone off? Did we have this problem last week? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Joseph Smith said, Many men say there is only one God. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are only one God. He says, I say, and that's a strange God anyhow. Three in one. One in three, it's a curious organization. All are to be crammed into one God according to sectarianism. He'd be a wonderfully big God. He'd be a giant or a monster. That was Joseph Smith's uh, challenge to really the Christian religion, the faith uh, handed down once for all to the saints. And uh, Joseph Smith was a polytheist. He taught many, many gods. Mormonism believes in many gods. And the, the goal of Mormonism is not the goal uh, of, of scripture. And that is, as a Christian, here's the good news. You get God. Like, that's the good news. Reconciliation, peace with God, that is the glorious thing. Uh, sons and daughters of Abraham, heirs of this promise of God to Abraham, that he would have descendants as numerous as the stars, the same faith as Abraham, redeemed, reconciled to God. And Joseph Smith's revelation is quite different. Though they use Christian terminology, Joseph Smith's revelation was very, very much polytheism. And it was very much the idea that men and women can become gods and goddesses of their own planets one day, like the god of this earth mm. did. It is fundamentally polytheistic. Uh, it is about, uh, ultimately, it's, it's, it's really a religion that is obsessed in a, in, in, in a very large sense with sex mm -hmm. because uh, the idea is polygamy. The idea is procreation. Even in the uh, what's called, uh, we, we could call the eternal state when you become a god one day, it's about populating your own earth with spirit children like the god of this earth did with his many wives. Mm -hmm. um, and in Mormonism, Jesus is not God. The eternal God. Now, there are quotations in the Book of Mormon that say that. However... When you look at Joseph Smith's convoluted revelation, you see him saying in the King of Fallout Discourse, uh, he says, uh, we've imagined and supposed that God was God from all eternity. He says, I will refute that idea and take away the veil and do away the veil so that you may see. You've got to learn to become gods yourselves the same way all gods have done before you. And in Mormonism, Jesus is Lucifer's brother. He's not the creator of Lucifer. He's not the creator of Satan. He's the brother, the spirit offspring uh, of Heavenly Father, Elohim, with one of his goddess wives. And so Jesus and Lucifer are brothers, contrary to the revelation of Scripture, where John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, Jesus created Satan. Colossians chapter 1, uh, verse 16 and on, he's the creator of all things, whether in heaven or on earth, visible or invisible. Jesus is the creator. And so you have a different Christ. And here's the thing. If you have a different Christ, you have a Christ that can't save. Mm -hmm. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And the Bible does warn in the New Testament, shortly after the resurrection of Jesus and ascension of Jesus, that there are other Christs, other gospels, other spirits. They cannot save you. And so it's not really like, wow, what a strange thing in the 
in the 19th century, there was a guy named Joseph Smith in North America that uh, became a prophet and had a false view of Jesus and the gospel. That happened. That was happening in the first century. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to always be uh, aware of that and on guard against those sorts of things. Uh, but Joseph Smith also taught a false view of salvation. Ultimately, for Joseph Smith, it was, in Mormonism, it's becoming a god one day. It's eternal progression, becoming a god or goddess like the god of this earth did. There's different levels of heaven, and you want to get to that celestial level so you can progress to become a god one day and you do that not just by the grace of god or faith in christ although it's a, it's disgusting and an abomination to want to become a god but they believe you get there through the work of christ plus your good works mm-hmm. um uh Second Nephi 25, 23. We believe that we're, it says, by grace are you saved after all we can do. The articles of faith teach that they believe that through the atonement of Jesus Christ, all of mankind may be saved through obedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel. It's all about your works. It's not about the righteousness of Christ. It's a different Christ anyways. But even in the context of salvation, they believe in a works plus grace and faith salvation system, which is condemned, of course, in well the whole Bible, but specifically yeah. addressed in Galatians, the book of Galatians. All right, so there we go. There's the context. I wanted to flood it with that for new listeners, new believers. I think it's wrong to just assume you understand the whole story. Uh, what do you guys want to add to that discussion before we start? I was just thinking, I never really thought about it until just now. Um, it's funny that in the first vision, he says he, he saw Elohim, not realizing that Elohim is plural. The name itself the name is, is plural, plural, and he yes. saw one being. I just I never thought about that until just now. Yeah, it's really interesting yeah. uh, because the, you, you, Luke, they, they say that Elohim, the Hebrew name Elohim, and when you see that in the Old Testament, that is the Heavenly Father. And they say when you see Yahweh or Jehovah, and Jehovah is just really it's butchered. It's butchering the tetragrammaton. and it's it's it's. Anyways, Yahweh, when they say Yahweh, that's Jehovah, that's Jesus. The problem is you look through your Old Testament and you'll see Elohim and Jehovah used together. Right. And uh, it, like, for example, Isaiah 43.10, it says, um, before me, he says he's the Lord, Yahweh, and before me there was no Elohim formed. Mm-hmm. So I am Jehovah, I am Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Oh, they go, that's Jesus. And before me there was no Elohim formed. Yeah. I, it, it It's completely... Yeah. Convoluted. Yeah, it's completely destroys their whole theology. It just yeah, Yeah. it doesn't work. Yeah, and for me, it's really sad. Um, I live in a neighborhood where uh, predominantly uh, Mormon. We have some very good friends that are Mormon, and seeing them um, under the guise of having to have a works-based salvation, I see. You know, personally, I have a woman who's talked to me so many times about. There's just this overwhelming sense that you're never going to be good enough. Mm -hmm. You're always striving, and it's so. It's just so hard to, to see that, the pressure that is on these yeah. these individuals. Yes, absolutely. It, 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 it is slavery. Mm-hmm. It is slavery. The law of God can save nobody. And mankind, men and women and children, try to justify themselves before God via their works. And Paul teaches very, very clearly in, in Galatians chapter 5 uh, that if you attempt to go that route, if you attempt to go the route of law, if you try to to do that in an attempt to be justified before God, he says Christ has become of no effect to you. Christ has become of no effect to you. Whosoever of you attempts to be justified by law, he says you've fallen from grace. Now he said that to people who are trying to add a single part of the old covenant law 
a just circumcision into faith with Jesus. He says, you go that route. He says, Galatians chapter three, you're under the curse of the law to fulfill all of it. And that's the glory of the gospel. Galatians three is that while we're sinners, it's Jesus who took the curse of the law. He became a curse for us so that we would be righteous in God's eyes. And Christians Mm. don't have a righteousness before God of their own. They have a righteousness that's from God. It's a foreign Mm. righteousness. Philippians chapter 3, that's from God through faith in Jesus. It's a righteousness that's not our own. It's Jesus' righteousness. And that's a righteousness that we stand in because we're united to Jesus by faith. Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, Christian Science, Rosicrucians, you name the cult. Islam that borrows from Christianity that tries to ape it uh, it's going to ultimately diminish the glory of Jesus and his righteousness for in place of a righteousness of their own that is a filthy rag kind of righteousness it's a righteousness that mm-hmm. will never avail before God and before his throne and so th- this is important stuff and if someone says oh you're just picking on those Mormons just leave them alone what's the big deal I mean they believe like you they sound like you well here's the thing Uh, truth matters and theology matters and if if you use Christian terminology but you mean something entirely foreign Mm -hmm. uh, and something entirely different you're not a Christian and just because you use Christian terminology doesn't mean that you're a Christian or you believe the gospel theology matters and I would say this you might say like is it really worth fighting over well if you look in Galatians that short little letter of Paul written in the first century probably one of his first letters he wrote If you look at that letter, the Apostle Paul is actually going to war. He's he's declaring theological war on people who apparently were very orthodox in what they said about Jesus, what they said about God. They're monotheistic. They didn't deny the cross. They didn't deny the resurrection. They didn't deny any of those things because Paul would have mentioned it. They just said, it's not just faith in Christ. It's also, you must come under this part of the law. Mm -hmm. You got to at least keep circumcision. And he said to those people, he says that they are anathema, which is one of the strongest words he could have chosen from the Greek that essentially means eternal condemnation, separation from God forever. And he said this, that if he does it, if he preaches a gospel like that, a different one like that, then let God curse him forever. Or if an angel comes from heaven, Moroni, and preaches any other gospel, let him be anathema. It's important stuff, and it does matter. And so uh, we're going to touch a few things. We're going to do some audio. So y'all ready? Let's take a break. We'll come back, and we're going to do some audio clips from the Mormon Temple and our evangelism. Be right back. Hey, Alex, is your marriage hard? Yeah, Chris, it is. But like climbing a mountain, it's hard going up. But once you're at the top, it's beautiful. I wish there were a place where people would talk about marriage and the gospel. Wait. There is our podcast, The Rugged Marriage. I really feel like I should have known that. Yeah, recording a commercial has a way of bringing on amnesia. Well, check out The Rugged Marriage on iTunes and Stitcher. Reform your theology, reform your marriage. And buy your wife some tulips. Mormon religion. Dum, 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 dum. There goes that kooky 
Joseph Smith. You know, he claims he spoke with God and Jesus. Well, how do you know he didn't? Dum, 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 dum. So that was called a prophet. Hey, Joseph. I, I know that it's obviously offensive to Mormons because um, they see it as obviously an attack on their, you know, most cherished beliefs. And um, but here's the thing. Obviously, you know, Christians are attacked in the media often. I mean, it's a regular, as a national pastime at this point. Um, but in this case, that stuff from the South Park, you know, uh, cartoon was was pretty spot on. And uh, obviously they're making fun of Mormonism in that clip, but it was pretty spot on. So there's a, there's a real history there that I think you would be fascinated uh to learn from and um or learn about i should say not learn from learn about uh so there's some good books i recommend for that and that is uh, one nation under gods by richard abanis um and there's also a book by fawn brody it's called no man knows my history now the no man knows my history book is a bit more uh like you got to get into the tempo of the book you got to get into the way she writes she's an excellent writer um, the book is just fantastic, um, but it does take a bit to kind of get with the tempo of it. And it's a very, very long book, and it's just got a lot of details. But she did a, fa- a fantastic job, uh, really, with the history of Joseph Smith. And uh, But it'd be good for you to know that as you go into the discussion with Mormons. I think it's very important for us as Christians, if we commit to, to reaching a particular community, it's important for us to actually know what they believe. Uh, it's not appropriate. Let me just say this outright. It's not appropriate for Christians to simply say, well, the word of God is the truth, and so I don't need to even care what your religion teaches or you believe because I'm just going to sit and, and, and quote scripture to you. It's the word of God. Obviously, it changes hearts and minds. It's the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation. Nobody's denying that. But we're supposed to always be ready to give a reason defense, right? right? Now, how can you be ready to give a reason defense to Mormons if you've never actually studied what they believe right. or even thought about what they believe or, or try to interact with them in any way? And in particular, with Mormonism, it has such a recent history and, and, and such a well-documented history it's really easy for you to dive into this. I mean, it's 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 very all this stuff is very accessible. So there's really no excuse to not know what they believe and be able to interact with them. All right, so quickly, I'm gonna do a little clip here. Where should I go first? I have so many. Um, let's do this one because I think it touches on a lot of important issues. Uh, this is a discussion I had with a guy that comes out to the temple. Um, he has come out for over a decade. His name is uh, Stefan. 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 And uh, I have lots of stories with Stefan. Uh, Stefan is a Mormon apologist of sorts. He goes out to the Mormon temple when we're there to hand out anti-anti literature. So they call what we're doing, uh, what they call us anti-Mormons, and they call what we hand out anti-literature. Well, he he gives out the anti-anti literature because he's there yeah. to oppose us. Yes. I'm, fo- I'm following you. Yeah, okay. Luke knows Stefan. Who's on first? Yeah, we've 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 known him for a long time. Yes. I honestly, this is not in any way an exaggeration. I have at minimum invested 24 hours of my life into this oh, yeah. man. At minimum, I'm talking. I'd probably say it's more like double double that in reality. But um, I've spent some so much time with this man. I love this man. Um, we're gracious to one another. He does get a little on edge at times and he gets a little aggressive with me. And so I've just sort of learned over a decade of ministering to him. I've learned sort of like, you know, what's the right way to talk to him and how not to push certain buttons so he doesn't lose his mind. Uh, But uh, this is a discussion. I handed out a tract. We have a tract. Uh, It's available at apologyachurch.com. 
for Mormons, and uh, it's 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 built a certain way to get across a certain point. It has particular things that they believe on the front of the track that are just like they'll say, "Yep, that's what we believe exactly." And then there's things in their track that are just out there whacked. I mean, they're, they're going to tell you you're tripping, uh, but it's good that they tell you yeah. you're tripping because when they say that's ridiculous, that's insane, you can just look at the inside of the track and you'll see the actual reference. And chances are, it's a direct quotation from a Mormon prophet or apostle. And so it's a really effective track because on the other side, it compares those teachings with the Bible and then it has the call to repentance and faith and the gospel uh, the, of peace. Uh, and so the tract is something we have for, we've handed out for a long time. Now, um, Stefan doesn't like the tract. And what he's, no. no, he doesn't. And so what he said in this particular video, and you can go onto YouTube, Apologia Studios, the, it says newest video, amazing, no, that's not the, that's the wrong one. Uh, it says a Mormon <laughs> apologist angry with Jeff Durbin. Now here's what's interesting about this particular clip. We're handing out this tract and Stefan hates it. And he says there's things on the track that we're just lying about. It's not true. They don't believe it. And here's the thing. They're direct quotations from Brigham. And the cool thing is, is we actually have a very good Mormon friend who's also a really well-known local Mormon apologist. He's written for Fair. He's written for Farms. And he's a friend of mine. We've, we've gone out to eat with this man. Uh, yes. when his every son, year. Every year. When, when I, his son was dying of cancer, I, I prayed with this uh, man for, for, for this man. I prayed for him. Uh, don't freak out. I prayed for him. Uh, he's a sweet man. I love him. Okay. His name is Craig, and I love him. Um, and anyway, so when we're out there handling this track, Stephens is, is freaking out because he says we don't believe this stuff. And so it's interesting interesting because in this clip you're going to hear that Craig actually says, no, Brigham did teach that. And uh, I think that if he said it, like the Mormons were supposed to believe it at the time. But he says, oh, but we have modern revelation. So Mormonism is all about modern revelation. And as I say, the God is still, still speaking today through the Mormon prophets and apostles. And uh, they can give modern revelation. It can even contradict old revelation. But this is an important point. This is me talking with the two Mormon apologists on the sidewalk. I put Bible verses in my answer back, yeah, yeah. but I did it. And that, and that would be thing. now where we could be where we But but the point <laughs> yeah. is, is that no, I, I know one, one of the things. Like one of the things that's important to note <laughs> is that Brigham Young didn't hold to your view of the standard works. Brigham Young taught that you don't know that. You don't. Well, I'll, you I'll, don't let me give you a direct, you wanna, a direct quote. You don't want to point out anything where we are in line with the Bible. Well, let me. Well, let me just give you what Brigham Young says. That's the best thing to do is for solace to go well, to where what the man says, says here, something. but you don't want to point out where he says there. Well, Stefan, we're doing one point at a time, and the point you made was that you believe that um, <clears throat> the four, it wasn't in the four standard works, so it doesn't count. And so what I'm telling you is that the prophet of your church that you hold as a prophet doesn't agree with your position. So this is what you're going to get often. Now be ready for this. Okay, uh, I want to encourage you after, um, it must be at this point thousands of conversations in my life with Mormons, I want to encourage you, be ready for this. When you quote something from Joseph's sermons, uh, writings, or Brigham's from Journal of Discourses or History of the Church, they're going to say to you as an out, they're going to say, well, that's not part of our standard works. Mormonism's standard works are the Holy Bible, the Book of Mormon, the Pearl of Great Price, and Doctrines and Covenants, okay? So what they're going to say to you is, well, that's not in the standard works, so it doesn't count. The only problem with that is, is that Mormonism actually uh, starts 
with the announcement that Joseph Smith is a prophet of God. He's a seer. He has mm-hmm. the gift and power of a seer. Uh, he, God speaks to him. He gives revelation from God. And so obviously that's, that goes essentially in a way like apostolic secession. If you think about it that way, yeah. it's going to, you know, all these prophets come and you know, they're, they're kind of mediators between you and God. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but here's the thing. Uh, Joseph spoke and he would say things like in history of the church that this revelation was given to him by the Holy spirit. Well, that's in history of the church. That's that's not in a standard works, but he says it was from the Holy Spirit of God. So you can't make that, you can't say, well, that's not standard works, that doesn't count. No, he said God told him. But there's another thing too. Brigham Young actually says in Journal of Discourses, he says that he's never yet given a sermon and sent it out to the sons of men that they may not call scripture. Okay, so he says that it, what he gives in his sermons are as good as what is couched in the Bible is what he says, all right? Now, so what I was pointing out to Stefan, and you're going to get this, is look, Brigham taught that Adam in the Garden of Eden is our father and our God, that, that basically Elohim came with one of his goddess wives to basically begin this earth to populate mm-hmm. it. And Brigham Young said this, if you make light of this doctrine, he says, be careful. He, he cautions people. He says, be careful. If you make light of this doctrine, it'll, it'll mean your damnation. Mm-hmm. So you, that, that sounds straight word of faith. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so here's the, He's the original uh, word of faith pastor. OG word of faith. Um, <laughs> so here's the thing. You know, the modern Mormon doesn't even know that he taught this generally, right? Like you're damned if you deny it. So when right. they see it at first, they're like, what? That's crazy. You're tripping. And you're like, no, this will bring him taught. And they deny it. And you say, well, Brigham says you're damned. Well, he's so frustrated by this. Because he doesn't believe it, and he hates it, that he's, he's telling me, that's not our standard works, you don't know our doctrine. So that's, that's the context of the conversation. He said, when he preached, that I've never yet preached a sermon and sent it out to the children of men that they may not call scripture. Now, his sermons, he saw as scripture. You, you apparently, at this point, believe that you can discount a teaching where he says that you'll be damned he said that you'll be damned if you deny the Adam God doctrine. You're saying, "What's well, not the standard works, so I don't have to believe it." Brigham didn't agree with your position. So you get you you you're like you're like a a dog who latches onto a bone and you won't let go of it. And- I knew at this point because I, I knew at this point because I know Stefan so well. I knew that he was getting ready to yeah to pop. So it's just really you got to be very you got to handle him with with a lot of care because. He, yeah. he gets upset. Like gloves. Yeah, he's going to be very, <laughs> very fragile. He's very fragile. So I, I can tell at this point he was, and you'll kind of hear it, I think, in this clip. And, well, I mean, that's, and, that's and, and at this point, you're just, yeah, you, at this point, you're, you're, not, just, you're not answering you're the challenge. You're not answering the challenge. Yeah. And you won't let go of that if your life depends on it, if your soul depends on it, you won't let go of that. It's, uh, it's like the freedomfromreligion.org people won't let go of when Jesus said, I have not come to bring peace, but you, a sword. Well, let me do this. Do you agree and with Brigham? They won't let him say, "Peace I leave with you, my, not as the world giveth, give I unto you." They won't acknowledge okay. that. Well, before you compare me to the Freedom from Religion Foundation, because I simply quote Brigham, let me ask you if you agree with Brigham that his sermons were scripture. No. Okay, so were, you disagree with your prophet? I I do not disagree with him. I'm saying... Okay, I'll quote it to you. You, saw not, you say yes or no. I have never yet preached a sermon and sent it out to the children of men they may not call scripture. Agree or disagree? I'm going to have to look at that in context with everything else. Let me ask you, Craig. 
Are we going to take everything that Brigham Young said as scripture? Well, if he says it in a context that he's giving a sermon and explains and says, this is what I'm saying to you, I'm preaching this to you, and then he turns around and uses that, then by saying, this is scripture, well then evidently the people in the audience would, I would say, consider that scripture at that time. At that and, time. Uh, but now, people, now we have now, a modern day do prophet. Do we believe in modern revelation? Yes. When, when a modern day prophet says something different mm -hmm. from what Brigham Young says, okay. Do we still hang on to Brigham Young words okay. like a dog to a bone and discount what our modern day prophet says? Well, no. If, if the things that the modern day prophet, if he goes through and says, Brigham Young said this, and I disagree with Brigham Young, I'm saying it's this way. Well, then I would go by and say, okay, what my prophet is saying, if he's gonna disagree with Brigham Young, maybe he has a point, maybe he has a certain reason, then I'm gonna go ahead and go with the living one because yes. maybe he has more we, knowledge given to him. We go now, by our living prophet. Right, and at that, at that point. I, but I haven't seen them go through and just say that when Brigham Young said this, or Brigham Young said this, or Brigham Young said this, is we, that we don't fight. That we don't we don't fight amongst our prophets. So the over a hundred different sects of Mormonism don't fight over your prophets. We we don't we don't we don't play your games, Nick or, or Jeff. We don't play your that's, games. That's, that, I'm answering your question, Stephen. You're playing Stephen. mind games, Stephen. That's a, that's an honest question. No, it is not. You said that you have a you, monolithic did, view. Just a minute. I did not use the word monolithic. Okay, with well, the word no, monolithic. Just a, minute, just a minute. Monolithic means. Do you remember when the Pharisees asked Jesus questions so that they could catch him at his words? Right. Do you, do you remember that? Yeah. That's exactly what you're doing with okay. us. Okay, all right. Well, that, and that that's the only reason right? why you're having this conversation is so that you can catch us at our that words. That remains to be seen right now. But the point is, is that you were saying just now that the two of you have a monolithic view about no, how you're to take. We do you, not you have said, a monolithic view. You said that you have that you don't disagree we with do this not. issue on the prophets, and I was saying that what about the no. over hundred different no. sects of Mormons that no. do? No, no, we do not use theobabble. <laughs> well, I know who he was talking to before he started talking to you. Who? Nick. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, talking to Nick. Yeah. Um. So here's the thing. To, I mean, to you, okay. What you need to recognize here is this: is that what you often get with Mormons is a lot of preaching, no answers, a lot of feeling, a lot of uh -huh. gushiness, a lot of emotion, but no answers, yeah. no consistent answers. And when you refute positions, there's not an answer coming back. It's just uh, falling back to emotions, our personal testimony, experiences, or in, in Stefan's case, you know, insults. Kind of, you know, he goes that route. Uh, so he, why is it a problem? Uh, why is it a problem for these prophets to disagree with one another? Well, because it, is, it means it's not Christian. Because the test in Scripture, Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 4, is that you have to have solidarity in your teaching with what God has already previously revealed about himself. So, so prior revelation from God is the standard by which everything else is measured. And so Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 4 basically says, even if someone comes and has signs and wonders, but they lead you after other gods, gods which you have not known, that's how you know they're false prophets. So it's, it's what does God say? And you look at the New Testament, Jesus and the apostles all appeal to that standard. It's what did the scriptures say? Have you not read what was spoken to you by God? What does the scripture say? It always goes back to the Bible as a standard. It's that, well, listen, it's like what I'm saying, the apostles were basically saying, is consistent with what God said. Don't you know what God said? And the way you were able to actually see 
whether or not someone's a false prophet or teacher is based upon how they contradicted or didn't contradict scripture. And so Isaiah chapter 8 verse 20 says, To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it is because they have no light in them. That's what the Bible says. And so watch, when they say, well look, I know Brigham taught that. And Craig says, well apparently he taught it and it was supposed to be for the people he gave it to. That was true. Stephen didn't really like that. So it's two, two Mormons arguing at that point, which is really interesting to see that take place. Uh, but then... Interestingly, they say, but if a modern prophet comes and says something different and changes what Brigham Young said, apparently he knows what he's doing and he has a purpose for that. And why is that bad? Because the Bible says in 2 Peter 1.21 that no prophecy, no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Revelation from God is from the Holy Spirit of God. And so here's the thing. The Holy Spirit does not speak out of both sides of his mouth. Mm-hmm. So you can't have the Holy Spirit saying in one place one thing and then a complete and utter contradiction of that later from the same Spirit of God. If the revelation of God comes by means of the Holy Spirit through prophets, then modern Mormonism needs to recognize if you have a modern day prophet that contradicts prior revelation by the quote Holy Spirit in Mormonism, then you have something that is demonstrably human in origin human in origin it's not from god it just is not from god if you're a prophet you're speaking from god from the mouth of god he sent you right. and god contradicting himself is not a possibility god is not the author of confusion right god cannot change and so that's why it's vitally important to make sure that we get this point across to mormons is that listen the standard they hold their prophets to is not the standard we hold our prophets to right the scriptures have to be a unified whole that is very important to, to, to get across to the Mormon. And I think it's a way to demonstrate to them that Mormonism is, in fact, not restored Christianity. It is a false religion, a false God, and a false gospel that will lead people to hell. All right, guys. Yeah. No, when you were saying before, why does this matter? And you just touched on that because these people ultimately are going to go to hell because there's either heaven or there's hell. So eternity is a long time to look at. So mm. when we say, oh, what's the point? These are our neighbors. These are our neighbors. And if we love them enough, we're going to stand on the word of God and we're going to reach out to them with a saving truth. That's right. Amen. Love for neighbor requires us to act in love towards them. And if you see them plunging into darkness, it's an act of hatred to say and do nothing, ultimately. And that's why we do what we do. And that's why we'd encourage you to do the same. Uh, We're going to go to a break here. But I I do want to say, and this is really important, Luke and I have been doing this for a very, very long time. Um, I was so excited when Luke and I became close friends and we started ministry. I was so excited for Luke to get to see the Mormon temple for the first time. I just kept telling him, it's so amazing. You're going to be so blessed by it. I remember the first night you and I went out, man. I don't remember almost any night after that because there's been so many. But uh, but I remember the very first night we went out, how excited I was for you to see it and just a look in your eyes and you saw it and how just like, wow, this is so incredible. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's uh, I remember though, Cheryl, I remember how Cheryl, you and I had to minister to your wife yeah. because she was, do you remember how she was? I don't even remember. She was really struggling with the fact that, because it was so hard because mm-hmm. people were opposed to us because oh, okay. people didn't like us mm-hmm. being there. Yeah. And it was, I think I remember, I remember that your wife was really struggling with like, Oh my gosh, these people don't want us here. Mm. Is this really kind of over the top? But it, it, then she started immediately seeing fruits and you were able to encourage her with that. So I'm going to say this, listen, um, 
it's not like we went into this and everybody's on board and it's so easy and it's you know just so it's so incredibly easy for this to flow from us no it takes commitment it takes courage it takes trust in god and but here's the thing luke can tell you a million stories and i can tell you a million stories of fruit and amazing conversations gospel conversations took place because we did it because we were out there just being present so all i'm saying to you is this listen be present go like go go where the people need christ go Take risks with your life, take risks with your body, take risks with your money, take risks and go to reach the lost. Mormons can come to Christ. Yeah. God saves Mormons. We've seen it. You just got to go. And there's been times where I had like a, you know, a minute long conversation with somebody, gospel conversation, and they, they come to Christ. I find out later on they came to Christ or people watch these videos and they come to Christ because they hear the conversation, they hear the gospel. So here's the encouragement. Go preach the gospel. Yeah. Research Mormonism and yeah. get them. Go, and in our case, it's not like this everywhere, admittedly, but for, in our case here, we don't have to look for the fish. God's already gathered them for us. Yep. Yeah. We just got to go to them. It's so cool. My own daughter, uh, who's 19, Georgia, she's actually studying. I'm so encouraged by seeing her open her Bible and she's watching the videos that you're doing on making an apologetic to the Mormon community and her, her, her faith just coming um, alive. And look, when you do a study, when you're when you're studying to go out to the Mormon community, it's amazing how much you grow in your scriptural knowledge, yes. how much mm-hmm. you grow in your faith, and yep. that can transpire into all of your friendships and your other relationships, whether you're a daughter, whether you're a mother, whether you're a father, whatever walk of life you're in. That's right. That's right. As you study the Word of God to reach others, God uses that study to change you, to encourage you, to solidify your faith in Him. And, and that's actually, that's absolutely right. So we'll be right back, guys. Take a break. And uh, hey, I want to point you guys to something real fast. It's really important. Go to missionalware.com. Missionalware.com. I like, uh, I like the missionalware shirt you're wearing today. <laughs> <laughs> missionalware.com is where you go to get shirts. Listen, Missionalware believes in the, the work and ministry of Apology of Church. They give, they help us, and they, they're supporters of us. And so we want to encourage you guys to go support them. Listen, if you listen to the show, it blesses you. Go to missionalware.com. Get a shirt. They're really, really great. They really are great quality, and they have good stuff. Um, and uh, go to uh, oh, the Olive Tree. Uh, app. Get the yes. Olive Tree Olive Tree yes. app. Uh, all it's olivetree.com backslash apologia. Apologia. And, and you guys can go and get uh, you can get commentaries, you can get all kinds of great uh, software and things to help you with your Bible study. But they'll also give you a, a discount. They're, they they support the life and work of Apologia Church as well. So go there and guys, bless the people who bless us and make this listen, you're listening to it right now because somebody believed that God was in this and they they, they blessed right. the, the ministry. Apologia 20 is the code you use. Apologia all 20. Lowercase. And I'm going to point you just briefly before the break, point you to Apologia All Access. If you believe in the life and ministry of Apologia Church and you want to be a part of what we're doing, partner with us, please. Partner with us. One dollar. One right dollar. One dollar to partner with Apologia Church and uh, the end of the year. it starts you up till the end of the year. Start you up in a, your all-access partnership. You get all kinds of additional content. You participate with us in ministry. You make all this possible. You have the academy right now that's up that I've done with Apologia, uh, the Apology Academy on apologetics. Dr. White did that with me um, on Mormonism and and uh, kind of apologetics. 101, even some advanced stuff we did there. Um, but you also can get the On the Couch, all the past television shows. We just did one. This is what I want to tell you about. We just did one with Ryan Hobbybrunken, who is the animator of Olaf, Olaf. Uh, Wreck-It Ralph, 
and just a bunch of other ones. He's a believer. He works for Disney. We did a TV show with him. It's really, really good. And I want to say this. For everybody that signs up for Apologia All Access and all of our All Access people who are already there, by the end of the year, you're going to be put into a pot. We're going to bless you. We're going to fly one person out, maybe two. We'll see. We're going to fly a person out. We're going to take you out to dinner at Meat Fest 2016. We're going to take give you a tour of the studio. We'll give you a hotel. We're going to bless you. So everybody that's already all access, you're already in it. Thank you, guys. And everybody that signs up by the end of the year for $1 for all access, you're going to be put into this as well. We love you guys. We, we, just, we added a perk to that today, too. Did you? Did you? So here's, here's how it's going to go. If you refer someone... To the one to the one dollar special for the rest of the year, mm. you get your name added an extra time to the raffle. So here's how we're gonna keep track. We're gonna set up on the forum page uh, section or the referral section. So if you refer every time you refer somebody and they sign up by the end of the year, you get an, your name added an extra time to the raffle. Oh, so your chances of winning go up for every referral. Yeah. So how that's gonna work on the Apologia forums? There'll be a sticky form that says Apologia referrals and then you just uh tell us the name of the person that referred you on the forum and then that's how uh we'll keep track of those who got referred so on apologiaradio.com when you guys log into your all access um account as as partners in the forum there's going to be that link for that so when you refer people you're going to get an extra raffle ticket to go into this for Meat Fest 2016. We're going to fly you out, put you up in a hotel. You spend a day with us in the studio. We're going to take you out to eat. It'll be a blast. And depending on how well it goes and how God blesses us, we might even get a second person out. We'll see. And if somebody's local, maybe we'll do three people. I don't know. We'll see what happens. So uh, sign up, guys. If you're not already all access, it's the perfect time to partner with us. It's only a buck. That's it. Maybe we can figure out a prize for the person who has the most referrals, too. All there right. you go. We'll make it happen. Yeah. All right. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much. We'll be right back with more on Mormonism. What's up, y'all? This is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio at ApologiaRadio.com. want to talk to you guys about an amazing connection that we have right now with Whitfield Theological Seminary. I want you to run over to whitfield.edu, whitfield.edu, W-H-I-T-E-F-I-E-L-D.edu. I want you to check out the programs they have. They have undergraduate programs at Whitfield College, and they also have Whitfield Theological Seminary for the graduate degree and above and beyond. I, I think you'll really be impressed with the rigorous nature of the classes, the consistent biblical worldview taught and adhered to. I want you to contact Whitfield Theological Seminary at whitfield.edu. Get a hold of our friend, Dr. Kenneth Talbot, and start your classes today. ApologiaRadio.com. Four, three. Why, why would you start counting? <laughs> because I wasn't started recording yet. You said you were ready. I'm ready. That means <laughs> I hit record. I already hit the play button. Okay, sorry. Try again. Five, four, three. Shoot, hold on. <laughs> it's been a long day, David. Yeah. Okay, it's, now it's, I'm ready. You can't even it hear what's rewind. going on in our microphone. It didn't rewind when I did it. It's it. Okay. Five, I promise. four, three. Oh, Lord, Trouble so hard. Don't 
important discussion to have because theology matters. Dr. White, I think, coined that phrase, theology matters, and it's true. Um, It matters for the life of the Christian, our practice. It matters because what we believe about God uh, counts. Um, We can't say that we are followers of the one who is the embodiment of truth and then not be concerned with truth. I mean, that's that's the Christian M.O., Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And so it should be the pursuit of a Christian truth. That should be what we pursue all of our lives. That should be what we love, what we cherish, what we hold close to us, truth. We should be the ones that are concerned the most with truth. And as a Christian, what you believe about God counts because it's the very, what you say about God identifies the God that you worship. And if we say, well, truth doesn't really matter, doctrine doesn't really matter, then what we're saying is really God doesn't matter. What mm. we believe about God doesn't matter. And that's just not Christian. That's not biblical. Right. And though it may be sentimental uh, to sort of you know let these things go by the wayside and not really be concerned with definitions and everything else, though it might be sentimental, uh, call it sentimental, but don't call it Christianity. Um, mm. And in terms of our dialogue and engagement with the Mormon, truth counts because the, the Bible is full of, of of examples and references to false teaching, false doctrine, false prophets, false teachers, and biblical prophets, men and women of God sent in to bring the truth in those contexts to refute those things and refute that error. And the New Testament calls us in Jude verse 3 to earnestly contend for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. You have the Apostle John actually saying in the context of Gnosticism uh, people who were simply saying that Jesus didn't actually take on flesh because flesh is you know evil. Matter is evil. God would never do something like that. They were just saying that God didn't take on flesh. You know they were, uh, they were saying the name of Jesus. They were proclaiming the name of Jesus but they were Gnostics and denied that God became flesh. He says about people like that not even to let them across the threshold of your church right. service. He says do not let them into your house which they were meeting in home congregations at the time as as the gospel is just getting off the ground. The church and the kingdom of God is growing. Do not even let him in your house. He says this, if somebody comes and does not abide in the teaching of Christ, he does not have God. Hmm. So it's the doctrine of Christ that counts. And, and, and whether or not you follow the apostolic teaching of Jesus Christ is the identification of whether or not you're a Christian. And Mormonism, though it may borrow Christian terminology, speak Christianese, it is in fact not Christian, and it does not have the gospel, the biblical gospel, the message of life. The Apostle Paul, if the Apostle Paul can define the gospel so clearly as to say, this is the gospel, that is not the gospel, and to say, if you teach any other gospel than this gospel, then you are anathema, then that should count for us, it should matter for us as Christians, we should be as concerned about the gospel and its clarity as the Apostle Paul was, or... We aren't apostolic. We aren't orthodox. We aren't, in fact, Christians. Mm -hmm. Listen, there are non-essential issues that we should not even really make an issue of division. So, for example... Baptism. uh, You know, the mode of baptism. Though it's important... Though it's important, it's not something that should divide us in ministry and uh, in our work and service for Jesus and the kingdom of God. Uh, body art. Uh, Dr. White. <laughs> Dr. White had a great thing. Uh, by the way, I'm going to point you guys to it. Alpha and Omega Ministries on YouTube. He did a recent video and it had to do with 
unity despite uh, disagreements in non-essential areas. And he talked about the fact that you can have areas as a Christian where you're supposed to say, these are fundamental. Like, there's stuff that comes from these fundamental points. So you can't destroy the foundations. But but other areas like body arts, you know, piercings, and you talk about, like, you know, uh, musical choice in worship. You talk about the color of your carpet. You talk about whether you should have a glass of wine or not or whether you have a cigar. Those things are not things that we're supposed to say, look, you're not a Christian then because you right. do that or you go there. Yeah. Because, you know, you might have people that actually say, like, Star Trek is better than the Star Wars. And, like, that's they're just in sin. But I'm not going to separate from them. You just started a war. I'm not going to separate from them. I'm not going to say you're not Christian. I mean, you're close, but you're not not Christian because yeah. of that sort of a thing. And can, no. I, can I throw in, too, that we also don't talk about coffee and underwear? Yes, that's right. So with a Mormon, it's not really uh, sure. effective or wise when you're out, outside doing evangelism in the temple to make Mormon underwear and Starbucks like the topic of conversation. You have very little time. You better talk about things that are meaningful, like God and the gospel. And that's what we always say to people. Mm. If you're going to minister to Mormons, you're going to stick to God and the gospel, those issues. Because as Walter Martin said, and I think it's true, if you're wrong on your doctrine of God, you're wrong enough to lose your soul. Mm. That matters. Because what you worship counts. (laughs) And so, what does God say in the Ten Commandments? After he tells the Israelites... I'm the Lord your God. I delivered you out of your slavery to Egypt. You know, he comes into this gracious covenant with them. He says to them, you are to have no other gods in my sight. When he says no other gods before me, it means no other gods in my sight. And then he says, don't even make a God that looks like me. A graven image, right? And so to God, idolatry is a significant issue. Yeah. He's the only God. He's the only God that made you. He's the only God that exists, and so he deserves all of our worship, and he deserves all glory and honor. And so this stuff matters. Now, here's a good example, I think, of a conversation. Uh, all of these are available, by the way, at Apologia Studios on YouTube. Uh, tons of videos. Man, hours and hours and hours and hours of conversations. So this is a conversation I have with a young Mormon, a return missionary outside the temple, I believe, during Christmas lights. So here we go. Okay. Which church do you belong to? We're just, we're Christian. Christian? Jehovah's yeah. Witnesses or what? No, we're Christian. Jehovah's Witnesses aren't Christian. We're, we're Christian church. We're a church in Tebe called Apologia. Okay. Who edits this? Because like the context in some of these references isn't correct. What do you, what do you think is not correct? Well, just like anything. Get out like, of the way this thing here. Go ahead. Well, you just like, for example, on this one, you say salvation. It's not by grace through faith alone, but by grace after all we can do. Mm-hmm. And that's referencing to a book, to a verse in Nephi. Uh-huh. Second Nephi 25, 23. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's by faith. Okay. Um, we believe that everyone is saved through grace, thanks to God mm-hmm. and Jesus Christ because of what he did. But in reference to, like, eternal life and living with God, we believe that there's certain things you have to do. That's not just something that you get. We will all be resurrected, and that's what it's in reference to. Well, so, jo- well, Joseph there in that specific passage is about being saved. He says, by grace are you saved after all you can do. Yeah. That's the context. By grace are you saved mm-hmm. after all you can do. I know you're bringing in a lot of other stuff, but that reference is specifically by grace. Uh, we're saved yeah. by grace after all we can do. So in other words, after all you can do, and then the grace... So there's there's a major contradiction there between what the Bible says about salvation and what Joseph Smith taught about salvation. So the Bible doesn't teach that you should do things. All right. So yeah, yeah. Well, he went there. Never. A bit of a <laughs> bit of a category error there. All right. So this this is so important. And if you are new to this kind of thing and going out and doing evangelism to the cults and those who deny the gospel. 
This is very, very, very important for you to get. I mean, like, foundational. When you talk to the cults or religions that deny the gospel, um, Christians will often say to the, to the Mormon, well, you believe we're saved by works. And the Mormon goes, what? No way. We're saved by grace. Jesus died for sinners. And we, it's faith in Jesus. It's not true to say to the Mormon, you believe you're saved by works because they don't believe that stated that way. They don't believe that right. it's simply by works. They believe that they need the grace of God. They're not straight Pelagian. Yeah. There's very few Pelagians, people brave enough, brave enough to be Pelagian right. uh, today. And so same thing goes with Roman Catholics. Exactly. People will say Roman Catholics believe you're saved by works. That's not fair because they would deny that. I mean, violently deny that. I mean, they believe you're saved by grace through faith plus there these additional merit right. their own merit the merits of the saints additional merit of the saints all you know have all these different things but it, it would be wrong to say that they deny grace it's never a question as again borrowing from dr white my friend and our our friend uh dr white says it's not a question with rome about the necessity of grace whether that grace is necessary right. but it's about the sufficiency of grace and the gospel is a gospel of the with the sufficiency of grace grace is sufficient to do what God has 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 ordained, and grace is sufficient to save us from the beginning to the end. Um, it's it's grace, grace, grace from the beginning. Now, watch this. This is important because here's, here's a good example of this happening in the Bible. This is in the this is in the first century. You know the Apostle Paul's discussion in Romans where he says that uh, they are ignorant of the righteousness of God. In Romans, he says they're trying to establish their own righteousness. Well, here's a good example of Jesus actually um, having a conversation about that. And it's in Luke chapter 18, in verse 9, he says, He also told this parable to some, listen, who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Mm. Take that in. This parable Jesus is telling to people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And he says, And treated others with contempt. Here's a story. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, watch this, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Now watch. What did he do there? He gave God the credit. He gave God the credit. He, he trusted in himself that he was righteous, but watch what he did. When he talked to God, how he related to God was that he gave God the credit for what God had done in his life. God, it's because of you that I'm like this. It's because of you. Thank you, God, that I'm not like the tax collector. I'm not like this person. Thank you, God. What is that? That's religion giving God the nod. Thank mm -hmm. you, God, for your grace. If not for you, God, I wouldn't have been able to do this. But then the story changes. As you guys know the story, the story changes. But the tax collector, standing afar off, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast. In Hebrew thought, the heart is the seat of the passions, is where all the all the issues of life come from. You know, Jesus said that as well. But that's where it comes from, the heart. And so he's actually beating the very place that's the source of all the passions in his life and his evil. And it says, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's all he says to God. Be merciful to me, a sinner. He won't even look up to God because he's ashamed of himself. He knows he's not righteous before God. He can't even look up to God. And he beats the very place of his passions and his sins. Like he, he wants to tear it out of his chest. And he says, I tell you this, this, and Jesus says, I tell you this man went down to his house justified 
rather than the other. What's that mean? It means the guy who thought and trusted in himself that he was righteous, that thanked God for his, his, his good deeds and all that he was, and gave God the glory for his grace, but he trusted in himself that he was righteous, that guy went to hell. Mm. Yeah. And it means that the tax collector who only appealed to God's mercy and his grace, he knew that he wasn't in himself righteous, he went home. That is, he left that place and went home declared righteous before God. He didn't go home to work on it. He didn't start a new thing with God. Right. He didn't become. He didn't begin a new religious process to get himself justified. He went to his house justified. And that is so important to get. Yes. You guys want to add something to it real fast Amen. before we go on? Preach. Amen. Okay, so a little <laughs> more of this. A little more of this. No, no, no. That's, that's not... That a contradiction? No, that's not that's true. Uh, the Bible would... Whoa. Whoa. What just happened? I don't know what happened there. Let's try it again. Teach that we're saved through faith in Christ alone, apart from works of law. That's what Romans 3.28 says all throughout the Bible. Uh, that, just, that, con- that contradicts Mormon's theology, Mormonism's theology first and foremost. But I would say that uh, what's clear in Scripture is Our that... Our theology is that everyone will be saved, period. What about the sons of perdition? Sons of perdition? What about outer no. darkness? Okay. Sons of perdition will not... Okay, so not everyone's saved then. But who, who there, we don't believe that, like there's not going to be very many people that are sons of perdition. Right, but you also believe when you talk no, about like, being saved, you mean that everyone will be raised in a general resurrection the yeah, last yeah, yeah. day, right? But you, you also believe that there are different levels of heaven based on your merit, your works, and mm-hmm. your ultimate goal as, a, as a, someone that's a member of the Latter-day Saints Church is to become a god of your own planet one day, exaltation. Do you see how important it is to know terminology? Yep. yep. Do you see? Because he's always saying, we're all saved by grace. And I said, no, you, well, you believe that everyone will be saved and that is they're raised up in the general resurrection, that mm. all people are raised from the dead. But you don't believe that that's like ultimate salvation because you believe ultimately there's levels of heaven mm-hmm. and that you want to get into the celestial kingdom where you want to go into the law of eternal progression, become a god or goddess of your own planet one day. You see how important it is to know? Mm-hmm. It's so important to know and, and to get past the kind of surface level terminology because when you say grace and faith and salvation as a Christian, what are you doing? You're thinking in terms of like Paul and Romans. You're, you're immediately as you speak, like you're interpreting it through the lens of scripture. Well, guess what? When they speak, they're interpreting their word, those words through the lens of their modern day prophets. Right. And so you have to start defining as you talk to the Mormon, what do I mean by grace? What do I mean by justification? What do I mean by salvation? And so it's vitally important that you get to know what Mormons actually believe. You have something you want to say? No, go ahead. No, okay, all right, here we go. Um, <laughs> right? That, my goal is to, like, make it to heaven. To become a so, god, though, right? That is, I, that's not something I've ever actually thought about. Would you say that, would you agree with I, I... I don't believe it. <laughs> I don't believe that. I'm sorry by a long shot. No way. If this guy was a, a Mormon, a return Mormon missionary... And say, I've never actually even thought about it, becoming a god one day. Really? Like, that is fundamentally what it means. Right. Like, when the celestial kingdom, eternal progression, when they think exaltation. about it, exaltation. When Mormons talk about this stuff, that's what they talk about. And if this man, probably, if he lives in Arizona, he probably went to seminary. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they have the seminaries next to the schools and they leave class to go to seminary. If he's been to seminary, he knows the quote, as man as God once was, as God as man may become. You start quoting that to young Mormons in Arizona, they'll finish it for you. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll still finish the, the reference for you. Uh, but Joseph Smith fundamentally taught that like this is, this is it. Like He says, um, you've got 
sought to learn to become gods, you're saying, this is what he says. He says, here then is eternal life. This is the King Fallout Discourse. Here then is eternal life to know the only wise and true God and you have got to learn to become gods yourselves the same way as all gods have done before you. Like, I mean, that's, that's eternal life to Joseph Smith, right. to become a god like the God of this earth did. So for this young Mormon missionary, returned missionary to say, I've never thought about it. I mean, I'm sorry, yeah, respectfully, I don't, I don't buy it. Um, not at all. Joseph? That's not something we talk about. That's not my goal in life. That has nothing to do with it. What about Joseph when he says that you, you've got to learn to become gods yourselves the same way all gods have done before you? Okay. So we, you do believe that then? Yeah. So you, <laughs> We don't talk about it. Yeah, we don't talk about it. It's amazing, though. You listen to them talk, and it's like they don't even know how to make their own apologetic. They don't. They don't. And it just, it just, it's such a mis- mishmash. When you start to juxtapose the truth of scriptures next to it, it's just, it becomes so clear. And their apologia, or their apologia, sorry, their apologetic just unravels. Yeah. If, the, if it's a question outside of the playbook, their playbook they're given, they don't know mm-hmm. how to answer it. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and there is a playbook. <laughs> yeah. I have it. <laughs> I own it. And uh, in the more missionary manual, yeah, there's not a lot of answers. And as a matter of fact, it just pretty much says... If you run into somebody that asks you questions you don't know the answer to, then what you do is just bear your testimony. You just bear your testimony. I know the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the one true church, and Joseph Smith's a prophet of God. Um, and so that's what they do. And, mm-hmm. and you'll notice the, con- the constant contradictions in the Mormon uh, conversation or conversation with the Mormon, where on the one hand, I never even talked about that, and then I quote Joseph, and he goes, well, yeah, we believe that. Like, you know, there's this, this they, they yeah. don't think critically about what they believe and the modern Mormon, and, and, and Luke has seen this just in, in, in the last 10 years, or gosh, how many years? Seven, eight years of going out to the temple. Um, he Even in that period of time, you can see a steady progression downward oh, yeah. in terms of like whether Mormons are even willing to engage in a conversation. They don't know what they believe or why they believe it. This is the, the standard kind of on-the-street Mormon that we're talking about. They don't know what they believe, why they believe it. They're not trained to really defend their faith. And believe me, brothers and sisters, in 1996, when I first came out to Arizona, and I was out on the streets and, and watching Dr. White, and I was doing evangelism out there at the temple, let me tell you, they wanted to do battle. They came with their Bibles. Yeah. They came days in a row to try to refute you. They wanted to take you to task and go to the... I mean, that happened in 1996. You, you hardly ever see that happening anymore. I mean, we have to fight to get into yeah. conversations with them. Yeah, we have literally have to chase them down the street. We have to really work hard to try <laughs> yeah. to get conversations started with them. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's really interesting to see the modern Mormon apologetic. And um, I, a lot of it has to do, I think, with the advent of the Internet, when the Internet yep. it really became big and people could actually investigate things and pull things up on Google quickly. I think that the Mormon church began to change their methodology and say, well, we can't address these arguments, so we have to just go straight pragmatic. We have to go straight into personal experience. And it, and, and it always was that before, but now it is that on steroids. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is, it is um, a whole new level of that kind of discussion. So you are working towards that then? What's I'm the working work? towards perfection, yeah. To becoming a god. Okay. Right? Okay. Okay, so you do it. You are agreeing now. I have... Okay, I always never said it wasn't our doctrine, but that's not like... But you I think it's like... Un, it's not right to say like, oh... Because you're throwing this term God out, like yeah. it's a negative thing, like that we, it's not negative that we want to become better. Oh, equivocation. <laughs> yeah. We're, no one's saying that yeah. you, it's so negative you want to be better and, you know, acting righteous in God's eyes. Yeah. It's an abomination to want to become a God one day. And that's the issue. It's not whether you want to become better. And y- y- there's so much 
of that that goes on. It's almost like talking to a politician many times. You know what I mean? When you talk to a woman, it's like you're talking to a politician. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That They're very they, slick. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's not wanting to just be straightforward and honest with what you actually believe. Because here's the thing. I think that they know as image bearers of God, I think they know how offensive that is yeah. and how much of an abomination it is to want to want to be a God one day. Yeah. And so they have to diminish that claim and have to try to soften it a bit and sugarcoat it. And, and, and the real thing that I think we need to gather from this episode, uh, hopefully, hopefully you guys get, is the necessity to learn about what the Mormon believes so that you can actually engage in a meaningful way and know their terminology so that you can actually cut through the gobbledygook and yep. just get to the bedrock of this is what we mean. And they go, yeah, that's what I mean. Great. And now you apply the scriptures. That's the whole point. It's when you talk to the Mormon, get through the conversation, the gobbledygook so you can get to this is what you actually believe. And they go, okay, yeah, I believe that. Great. Now that now we got that down. Now, this is what the Bible says about that. And you let, you let them, exactly. You let them go and you let them now reason and work with God. And you let God do his perfect work in their life. But you are the one that's, that's bringing the word in their life. And you've got to do it in a way it's important. Obviously, we know God is sovereign. You're talking to hardcore pipetting Calvinists here, right? We know God is sovereign. But it's but we, we have to, I think, effectively bring the truth to them. Bring the gospel to them. And that's like we have to be able to expose the futility of their position and bring the gospel to it. So... Uh, we're done. We're done for today for now. There's more of this stuff on YouTube. Uh, Marcus. Yeah. Quickly. Yeah. I want you, I want you to talk to, um, our listeners. You want, you wanted to talk to them. Well, I just wanted to talk about the stuff that we got. Yes. I'm just, that's all I'm focused about today. All right. Tell them. <laughs> we got some great camera gear. We got a Sony FS7 and then we had, we got four Canon cinema lenses which are just, you know, world-class, the best of the best in terms of lenses that you could get. Yes. And we have uh, this really cool DJI Ronin that's like a gimbal, an electric gimbal that stabilizes a camera. You can do long shots. And so if you guys can think of like a chase scene, like, like a car Birdman. chase, like a car chase scene or a running scene where a guy's being, you know, the camera's running behind him. It's not jumping up and down, you know. It's, you know, it's a smooth thing, like, you know, moving from one building to the next. And yeah, it's you like, were running in the office with it today, and it looked awesome. <laughs> yeah, I didn't look awesome. I, I ran like a little girl. <laughs> yeah. Tripping over but, boxes yeah, and stuff. But we do have that, <laughs> yeah. Camera shot looked good, though. Yeah, it so, did. I mean, you know, people have asked what we're going to do with all the gear, and I think the only answer is, well, we're going to make movies. That's what you do with that sort of stuff. Yeah, so. and documentaries. I've already, by the way, Marcus, gotten some emails from people Really excited about the documentary and kind of Bible study film we're going to do on drug and alcohol addiction. Awesome. And that's going to be able to uh, be uh, uh, t- uh, churches that can take this and run gospel centered uh, addiction groups. There's not a lot of those, believe it or not. There's a lot of AA, a lot of HA, a lot of NA, a lot of SA, um, but. Uh, not a lot me? of yeah. Would you call me SA? Uh, but not a lot of uh, gospel-centered, biblically-based you know, recovery groups, redemption groups. We like to call them. Um, but we're gonna do that, right, Marcus? Yes. First project. <laughs> yeah. When do we When do we start? We're gonna start. I think that we're gonna begin that probably shooting that in February. Awesome. Oh, I yeah. thought we're starting tomorrow. Yeah, I'd like to start tomorrow. Believe not me. Today. Yeah. So it gives me time to learn how to play with the equipment. Yes, sir. Yes, good. sir. <laughs> So thank you guys for your participation, for your love. Please pray for our ministry. Um, We appreciate and are humbled by your participation. 
I know you hear me say that all the time. I say it all the time because we mean it. We're just grateful for you guys. We're grateful for your encouragement. We're grateful for your participation. And I'm going to end this episode with this. Someone came in uh, uh, to church on Sunday, and they actually drove out from Texas. Yeah. Uh, they listened to Apologia Radio and the Dividing Line all the time, and they came out just to go to Dr. White's church in the morning, yeah. and then they came to our church uh, in the evening. Like a 15-hour drive. Yeah, 15-hour drive. And he, and he says to me, um, while we're talking, he has just kind of weird look in his eye. He's like, oh, it's just weird. I was like, well, what? what? What's weird? He goes, it's just weird, like, listening to you for as long as I have and having you, like, in my ear all the time, and then you standing in front of me and us meeting for the first time. He's like, I already feel like I have a personal relationship with you. He's like, but I, I, we just met, actually. Ah, He's like, this ah, is just really weird. That, that is weird. It's a and, little creepy, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, creeper. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. No, and I told him, I said, that really encourages me because I, I, I hope that's how all of our listeners feel, like, you know, that there's right. this intimacy and that you guys really feel like you know us because we really want it to be like that in, in this ministry. Yeah. And so we're grateful. I was really grateful to hear that, uh, yeah. that he felt that way. And, um, and we're grateful for all of you guys. So, hey, here's the thing. Remind you, it's $1 to start All Access. For, for, so for all of you guys that haven't started All Access, haven't started partnering with us yet and getting all this great content and helping us to do this ministry, this is a perfect time. It's a dollar. It's, it's $1 to start. And, um, you know, monthly donation is $7.95 a month, but you get all this great content. You're participating with us in ministry. Please start. Go, go do it right now while you're listening to this. Go get started. And don't forget, everybody who starts by the end of December gets put into this special uh, gift uh, thing where we're going to actually fly somebody out, Meet Fest 2016, and bring the studio and all that stuff. And don't forget uh, to refer it. If you get referrals uh, from people and they start all access as well, you get to be put into it even more. So that's one, it. One Creflo dollar. Creflo dollar dollar bill, y'all. We should call us the Creflo dollar drive. Yeah. Creflo dollar dollar bill. Well, we don't want no nah, I'm just spaceship kidding. to Mars. Nah. Well, that's Luke the Bear. Peace out, y'all. Rebecca the Lady. Hey. And give the gift of Apologia. It is the Christmas season, the folks. The gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. That's the right. Gift of apologia. The gift of Apologia. The gift of Apologia. Hey, you can give people Apologia. You can do that. You can sure, do that. I'll allow it. Yeah. I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> okay. King Ginger. See you later. On the ones and twos. I'm Jeff Durbin. They call me the ninja. And this is my beat. This is my... My jam. This is my jam I'm leaving to right now. Uh. Uh. What? What? Oh, that's good. It changed up. It changed up. I didn't even plan that. All right, guys. ApologiaRadio.com is where you get us and you send people great episodes. Uh. Hey, Ginger, can you rap? No. You can beatbox. I thought I you can grew beatbox. Up. Yeah, I, I can beatbox a little bit. You said in the last episode you grew up in the ghetto. Yeah, I didn't acquire all the talents of the ghetto. What, what, was, what was Vanilla Ice's real name? Um, it's, it's, uh... I don't know. Shoot. I know you're, it. It's like, like Van Winkle or something. It's like something yeah. Van Winkle. Yeah. You're Marcus Van Winkle. <laughs> We're Van Winkle. You, you pretended like you grew up in the ghetto. Yeah. And you didn't... No. Robert Matthew Van Winkle. Van Winkle. There we go. Thank you, All right. Google. Nice. All right. Some of you guys are old enough to remember that whole debacle. I remember. <laughs> I do. I do. I don't even care. I still love that album. I still love, I still love Ice. Ice. Baby. All right, y'all. I wish we had vocab so we can have him, like, rap us out. I know that whole song. Yeah? Ice Ice Baby? Yeah. Okay, do it. I can't. I gotta practice it. It's been a while, but I haven't memorized it. Love you. Bless you. Please pray for us. Catch you next time.